Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Offsite Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Nall, and for this episode, we have Tim Medine as our guest speaker. For our listeners that do not know who Tim is, well, you should, as he's the creator of Kerber Roasting, a popular technique that pen testers use to extract Kerberos tickets and ultimately get passwords for service accounts. In addition, he is the CEO of Red Siege Information Security and has performed multiple penetration tests on a wide range of organizations and technologies. Now, for the moment that you've all been waiting for, please welcome our guest speaker, Tim, to the stage. Tim, it's great to have you here and welcome to the Offsite Podcast, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. I'm really glad that you're able to make time to be here. So one of the first questions I want to ask you is, you know, what piqued your interest in joining the information security field? Um, honestly, it was, uh, I think back in high school, um, I, I just like to play with computers. There was a, a couple of guys it was a, um, that were, they had this, the school had this weird menu system and we were always trying to break out of it and, and play Doom. We would bring Doom with us um, on a, a floppy drive. And if we could break out of their little thing, we would play Doom. So it was this cat and mouse game where we would try to break out so we could play some Doom. And uh, not, no, it wasn't Doom. It was the uh, Wolfenstein. So the predecessor. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Old school. Yeah. So we were all trying to break out of it. And it just kept, then it turned into the, the hobby was just trying to break out of the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the admins didn't like us breaking out of their process. So we had to, uh, you know, quickly play a game. So then we tried to speed run, but then it was just, it just turned into much more of the, let's play with the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, I also had a, uh, a teacher in the ninth grade, Mr. Kaler, fantastic. But um, I took a basic class on TRS nine TRS eighties back in the day, and we could save our work. It would save it across this network, which blew my mind. Um, and we were trying to figure out how to hack that. And Mr. Kader was like, "Hey, if you can figure it out, go for it." Like he was <laughs> super awesome. open. He's like, "Just try it." <laughs> and he and we would show him the stuff that we were that we were doing, and he was like, "That's really cool." Hey, have you thought about doing this thing? Now they weren't cool hacks they were i guess a predecessor to phishing because we would mm-hmm. replicate the entire login process of the machine somebody would sit down and hit spacebar and we would replicate the, the timing and make it look like the boot process mm-hmm. and then someone would would type their password and then we would get the copy of the password so uh i say that now it's like a terrible person <laughs> no I, I can <laughs> i can totally relate to that because i, I had the same situation like when i when i got started infosec i started in high school as well and i remember i had a teacher just like you that would be cool about doing anything. And the first thing he did was drop a backtrack five R3 CD on my desk was like, here's a book, here's CD, go start cracking something and breaking something. And uh, we would always try to find ways to play Minecraft on our systems. And we found a specific application path in the NVIDIA drivers that they had on the school system. And we were just able to drop Minecraft in there and it would run the whole application perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally get that in your story to relate to that. <laughs> yeah. So we, we had, I had some fun like that. Um, you know, so you getting into InfoSec, right? Going with Wolfenstein, right? Trying to play Doom and try to find all those bypasses. That's really got your mind thinking on some of those things. So getting into the information security field of where you are, right? What were some resources you used to kind of get yourself started? Yeah. So, I mean, well, so I went, I was going to go to college. I was going to be a double major. My wow. undergrad was electrical engineering. I wanted to do com- computer science too, but then I was like, man, there's too many nerds in this whole computer thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> so I dropped that and realized I'm like, you know, that's, that's the thing I actually really like. Got the piece of paper, get out. And then I sort of realized that th- this is actually a, a career you can pursue. Like, this is early, uh, early 2000s, very early 2000s. So I went from there to uh, to networking, 
uh, I did programming since I was a kid. My aunt worked for uh, IBM. So we mm -hmm. got a, a PC for relatively cheap, especially for those days. Yeah. Um, so I got to play with some of that. So um, just kind of de developing that, what, what, what resources did I use? I mean, it was just whatever was available. Mm -hmm. uh, podcasts. I listened to heck out of a bunch of podcasts. I mean, and back in the, that the early days of my security portion of my career, it was Paul security weekly back then in paul.com. Mm -hmm. There weren't a ton of them. Uh, the blog posts were there a little bit. Um, it was actually in a way it was nicer because there was less ways to get information. Mm -hmm. So you like, you could almost to some extent, check all of them. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, okay, this, this mailing list, this is going to be a great spot for quite literally everything. Twitter was phenomenal back in the day yeah. for finding resources on something and just, just find the thing that you're interested in. At least that's what I did. And that's what I recommend to everybody else. I found the thing that I was interested in and just dug into it. Like, what, mm -hmm. what is this? What does this mean? What does this do? How does this thing work? And just played with it. I could totally relate to that as well. That's, that's another thing, right? Um, I remember, you know, going through some stuff, trying to like find forums and like YouTube videos and try to watch like old security talks. And it's funny, you mentioned, you know, going through some of that stuff because I remember when I was a, getting to be a senior, almost out of college, I remember watching your talk actually at DerbyCon 4, where you explained how Kerberosting works. So it was, um, your talk was on attacking Microsoft's Kerberosting, kicking the guard dog out of Hades. You know, I always wondered when you kind of walk through that talk, walk through the steps, right? And when you had your Windows 7 system, how you were able to get the Kerberos tickets, how did you discover it in the first place? So it was a few friends of mine. Actually, if you look at the very end of that, there was a few friends of mine and I were just discussing like, hey, mm -hmm. how does this thing work? And, and, and we were sort of discussing and, and I, I think it was me. I don't know when it went one of the other guys, which is why I gave them as much credit as I possibly could. I don't take much credit other than being right place, right time. Mm -hmm. But we're like, there's only one secret, right? The, the one secret is the password hash. So it's got to be based on that. And then from there, and it was just kind of guessing from there, I just ended up digging into the RFCs, which is a terrible, nasty <laughs> place. It is, yeah. it is, it is Hades. Um, and just kind of, you know, working through some of those things. Mm -hmm. Lots of trial and error, I bet. Just to, you know, it kind of just like wound up accidentally. And then you wanted to figure out like, okay, what can we do to replicate this? And, you know, it grew out to being more for our listeners. I got to recommend if you got some time, definitely take the time to go find, Tim, when he actually talked about the entire idea of curb roasting, that talk is really incredible. Um, you know, the one thing I also wanted to think about, you know, since you discovered it and you also having people to help you out discover it as well, have you been doing any research, you know, or any type of new techniques you probably have seen that are used against newer operating systems like Windows 11 or maybe even Linux systems that are tied to Active Directory? Do you think curb roasting could still apply to those systems? Yeah, I've so I've to answer the first question, have I been digging into it? Yeah, there's, there's, I'm trying to figure out like, what's, what's next? Is there a what's next? There was um, somebody else's research, which was fantastic, um, was that they figured out that they could sign Kerberos tickets mm -hmm. and use any signature algorithm instead of a C, in, in, including a CRC32, which is just a very simple checksum, no key. So essentially allowed you to forge Kerberos tickets. Um, I was looking at the like the Kerberos and the UTU, so user to user, and see if there's a way. Can I can I get it to encrypt using the other person's password hash? It doesn't right now, mm -hmm. uh, unless there's some sort of hidden feature that I have yet to find. Mm -hmm. But it, you know, there's a lot of other dark areas in the proverbial and quite literal Hades 
uh, that I've been trying to dig into. And it's what's really neat, and I'm not taking credit for this, but there's, there's just so many other people who have done so many way cooler things in, with Kerberos in general. Mm-hmm. And it's neat. They're like, holy smokes, I ran across the exact same thing and I never thought to do what this person is doing. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, that's just so cool. We, we literally dug into it to the same depth. And somebody else is like, hey, here's a whole different perspective. I'm like, well, that is freaking cool. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're, or I, or frankly, anybody is smarter than you, the listeners. It was just, took a little time to look at it. And I, I frankly, I didn't. So it, it really, really neat to see all that, that, you know, research in that area. I totally agree with that. And I think with the way a lot of people have got into your project where you started, you know, it's really involved as being, as a main attack that people still use currently today, you know, trying to find, these ways to grab these tickets, how they elevate their privileges with the tickets that they're able to pull using your type of attack technique has been pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, and also with Microsoft on the other hand, right, for blue teamers, you know, they're trying to find ways to patch it, mitigate against it. You know, they added a, I think it was a service account that you could use that would tie in or like a membership you could tie in to your active directory systems, right? So that Kerberos thing, or sorry, Kerberos tickets aren't used for that, which is kind of interesting. Um, and with Windows 11, and I know even with some Linux systems, they're starting to implement security features for it. Um, but I don't, have you ever ran into any Linux systems that have been tied to Active Directory where you do Kerber hosting on them? Uh, yes, but no. So with the, the key tab in Linux, typically those, the, the, the secret, if you will, mm-hmm. um, is randomly generated. The issue, the entire issue it's not like there's an issue with, with Kerberosine per se. The issue is it's tied to the password. And if a user picks, a human picks a password, they might pick a bad password. That's fundamentally the problem is simply bad passwords. Bad passwords. It sounds way fancier and way more high tech than it is. Frankly, when I happened across it, I was like, cool, this will be great for two years and it's going to go away. Right. <laughs> and we're, we're pushing eight years here. Yep. And I'm like, really? This crap still works. All it is, it's a bad password. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like you make it go away. There's other better fixes, but literally you pick a decent password. And I, you know, we've come across, you know, these service accounts in the real world that are older than my talk. And I'm like, well, that's okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's just, it's the fundamental is the, the, the piece here. It's just a different way to attack those fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So speaking of fixes, right? What are your recommendations for users that want to implement like any type of detection or protection against Kerberosing, right? What, how can they be able to practice those type of techniques in their lab environments they have set up? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the basic defense is, is a good, long, not correctable password right. laps, um, something like that. Uh, you know, if you've got vaulted passwords, that's fantastic too. Mm-hmm. Um, the detections a little bit more difficult because when your user first logs in, they're going to request a couple of tickets. And they, and what you really want to do is detect the anomalies. And then that's non-trivial, right? Like if I, it, I can really easily write a detection, did Tim request a specific ticket? But now if, it, if I have to try to play, hey, is someone in accounting trying to access a ticket for a specific system? It gets a little bit more difficult, a little bit fuzzier. Um, one of the great defenses are honey tickets. Mm-hmm. So you create an SPN tied to an account, make it look juicy, um, and someone might hit that. And if anyone hits that, it's not tied to a, a real service, you know that something has gone wrong. And it, it's, it's a high fidelity a detection. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other ones, it requires a lot of tuning, frankly, some outside tools to get a good baseline on users. Like, hey, this user is going to these specific services. 
why all of a sudden is Steve in accounting or Sally in marketing trying to go directly to a database server? Like that, right. that's not normal. Um, so the, the, the behavior analytics, fantastic way, but it's significantly more difficult. The honey tokens are though fantastic. That's interesting. So I want to move away from, you know, talking about curve because I know it's something you probably talk about constantly. Um, one of the things I thought that was interesting was that, you know, you started your own security consulting company, Red Seas, right? You know, from your perspective, what has it been like running your own consulting firm, you know, for pen testing and for doing any sure. type of like red team stuff? Yeah. So it, it's been, a, it's been a really new, fun and interesting challenge. I grew up yeah. with a very um, sort of entrepreneurial family. Like my, my dad, he's, he had his business for until since I was a little kid, he bought another business, sold another business. Uh, my uncle has his own business. You know, it was just something that sort of encouraged, not necessarily directly, like de- my dad never said, go out and do this. Mm-hmm. But I got to see some of that. And I don't mean by, by witnessing that, that it, it looked easy because he was working his butt off, right? Mm-hmm. It was a completely different perspective um, on, on life because he's like, hey, if I take this day off, it means that there's no income. And, you know, is there value in taking this time off for this specific thing? And I'm not making it sound like he never took time off, but it's like, he didn't take time off for, for things that were just, you know, I hate to say trivial because you're like, well, that's ridiculous. You should take time mm-hmm. off. But there was, there was a much more, there was a different calculation in there. Um, and just, you know, life to some degree, like what's, what, what are the important things and what aren't? Cause if he took off, he was absolutely taken off. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, a very different thing. Now starting the own business, there are some pieces that were easier than I thought. There's a whole bunch of pieces that are a lot harder. Um, the, the whole, you know, the legal aspect dealing with different States is an absolute flipping nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, by the way, if you ever start your own business, hire a PEO, Google that term, to uh, mm-hmm. deal with the different states. It makes your life easier. You pay extra for it. Save, it'll make your uh, make you a lot less, a lot more sane. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, dealing with people, hiring, recruiting, um, to some degree, the the state of security had changed since I was in a more day to day consulting security role. I used to be in Fishnet. Mm-hmm. I went to Counterhack. Um, and we didn't do quite the, the, the traditional sort of consulting. So mm-hmm. that, that part had changed quite a bit. And then, you know, starting your own thing, you starting from scratch, it doesn't matter what it is. You have no paperwork, right? right? Your first report is entirely from scratch. There's nothing to copy and paste from. There's no cheat. You're by yourself. There's, there's it's that the phone, a friend isn't there. So I mean, you just got to put your nose down to the grindstone as they say, and just, just go after it. And it's, mm-hmm. I found it tremendously rewarding. It it's, was tiring. It's still sometimes tiring, um, but it's it, it's a fun challenge. I really like this new sort of path. I get to do some of the tech stuff still, get some hands on keyboard, but then also look ahead. Like, what is the industry going to look like? What's the business have to do to adapt? What are the 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 risks that the you know defenders are seeing? How can we help them? Because that's mm-hmm. our whole goal, right? The, the offense people don't exist except to make the defensive people better. And if we don't, we're frankly a, a waste of time and money. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, it's also, I think it's interesting to see with, you know, how the world's been changing with COVID, right? That's one impact. And then also with the way people are also working remote and a lot of projects are now starting to pick back up, you know, for people who are developing stuff, blue team or sock analysts are coming back, right? We don't really see too much from the offensive side of people actually getting in, helping out, or even try to make that next step to try to help, 
you know, I would say implement like better protections, right? Recommendations of what they could do to secure their systems or their equipment. Um, you know, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how that changes moving forward. And hopefully maybe soon we'll see more, you know, firms come together, right? Or even your firm, right? You know, become bigger, you know, and also grow to vamp out to help, you know, protect people, right? And help secure the systems that are out there, I feel. Um, so one of the other things I wanted to ask you too, you know, you gave a little bit of tips, but do you have any more tips and advice, you know, for people that want to start their own InfoSec consulting firm or, you know, red team operation business? Yeah. I mean, the first off is don't do it. Um, <laughs> no, I say that because I, I talk, John Strand's a good friend of mine. I talked to John. I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. He's like, first off, don't do it. You're not going to listen to me. So here's what, here's what he told me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the hardest part, the technical piece is by far the easiest. Yeah. By far the easiest, which sounds odd. You're like, I got technical down pat. You hear, you've heard this saying a million times, you build a better mousetrap and the world will be a, beat a path to your door. Mm-hmm. Well, who makes a better hamburger, you or McDonald's? Without a question, you can yeah. probably make, you know, <laughs> a better hamburger in the microwave maybe than McDonald's does. But right. no one's coming to your front door and wanting to buy that thing. There's a lot of process that goes into it. There's a lot of, you know, some of the, the marketing, you know, how do you find customers? Like, how do you tell somebody, hey, I make a better hamburger? Mm-hmm. That's a whole different piece. Um, and another thing that I, that I heard is, and, and I forget the exact quote, I'm going to screw it up and I'm, it's going to sound like I'm a jerk, but it was like, it, the answer was like, customers always lie. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I thought the customer was always right. And then, then the, immediately the person I was talking about said, okay, cool. When's the last time you went to a restaurant and you got terrible service and you and your friends or family are complaining like, this is terrible. This is, this is, this food isn't good. The server's not. And then the, the, the wait staff comes over. How are you doing? Oh, everything's great. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's, it, it's like that. So, you, and I don't mean that in a, in a pejorative sense, I'm saying I do this, right? So you, the harder, one of the hard pieces is getting feedback because that feedback is tremendously, tremendously useful in business, frankly, in life. Um, and, and getting that feedback from someone who's paying you, who can be like, you know what, it's an awkward conversation. I'll just pick somebody else next year. It's hard. Um, and, and maybe I'm uh, going off the rails here, but getting good feedback, you just shut up and listen. It's really hard to say something sort of d- defensive. It's really easy to say, well, here's why shut up and listen. That's some of the best advice I've ever got heard related to that. But the, um, you know, take a look at what other people are doing. The, uh, there's a great Ted talk. I forget what the name of it is, but it's basically like everybody copies everything else. Yeah. And we, we, in life, we only have tiny little bits of improvement over time. Everyone's stepping on the shoulders of giants. Mm -hmm. It's not a huge leap forward. It's tiny little steps. So look and talk to other people. Um, I talk to other business owners all the time and we discuss like, Hey, what's working for you? What's not. And some of them are insecurities. Some of them aren't people are more than happy to share their story. And, and if you're trying to get your, their story again, shut up and listen, right? If you're asking someone's opinion and, and you, you truly want it, don't interrupt and then tell your story. Not that they don't want to necessarily want to hear it, but let someone roll on the thing that they're really, really excited about and just mm-hmm. take take some notes related to that. So I guess the, the summary of if you're starting your own thing, whatever it might be, do some research ahead of time, get ready to hit the ground running, realize it's going to be a lot of work. Make sure that you've got uh, loved ones at home or whatever life uh, commitments, 
that mm-hmm. you're prepared for that and, you know, enjoy it. It's really cool to put your heart and soul into this thing that you're building and see it grow. It's so exciting. It's so rewarding. It's hard, but it's, it's a really cool thing to do. I think you brought some really great advice and I really do appreciate listening to your advice about that, you know, especially, you know, telling people that's not easy, right. You know, like John Strand said, you know, don't do it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) This is what he said. Um, But the thing that's really interesting to me though, is, you know, you've continued to try to work with it. You've talked with your family about how you built your business the way it is, you know, and it's still growing to this day. I mean, from what we talked about before you came onto the podcast. Um, And I really, I really like to see where we, where you take your business to the next level and see how oh, it can grow you. to be one of the big security consulting firms that are out there. I mean, I feel like we do need more of those. Um, we need more pen testers. We meet, we need more good hackers, right. On the side to help test the blue team or test, you know, the infrastructures that are out there so that, you know, we don't get those bad guys in there. Um, you know, and it's, it's really interesting that you bring up the idea of how to make a hamburger as well, too. You know, I was thinking of it like a tire, right? Everybody, can be able to make the same tire. The only thing that's different about it is that someone just slaps a name on it, just calling it who's theirs, right? <laughs> so no one, no one's taking the time to reinvent the wheel or make a different of the version of a wheel by taking the feedback that's out there. And I do agree with you though. I feel like we do need more people to start giving out their advice, their feedback, you know? And for people that want that feedback, take the time to listen and actually understand the problems, the concerns that they have, right? Those are the people that you want to work with. Those are the people you want to build a better relationship and also to build a better communication with other people that they have outside as well. That's where networking comes in that I see as a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to that point, and you just, is a nugget in there that I really want to point out. Mm-hmm. Networking's a big deal, right? I mean, there's that, the famous saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. You're like, I don't like to get out and talk to people. Look, that's, that's, that's sort of part of it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, we are a, a whatever, a, a species that interacts with each other and that's how things happen. I mean, well, and, and frankly, you go to the conference, you bump into people, you have a random conversation, it turns into this, that, and the other thing. I mean, that's, I mean, if I could sort of bottle up all of those random happenstance things where I had a conversation with, with whomever, I think ultimately that's led to where I am, right? Go to the conferences and probably people probably kill me like, don't go to the talks, mm-hmm. um, talk to the people in the hallway. Cause there's other passionate people. Um, also, and I don't mean that to say, don't go to the talks. I mean, you can watch a lot of the talks online afterwards, 50% mm-hmm. faster, skip the beginning, skip the end. Um, but the really cool stuff I see is some of the hallway talk. And if there's a talk that's really interesting to you, I mean, of course, by all means go, I say this as a presenter, right? I don't want an empty room, yeah. but when you're done, like, Hey, your talk was interesting. Let's talk about that some more. I mean, the person was just on, t- on stage pouring their heart out. And when people are interested in that, that's, I mean, it, it, it feels good. Like, and I don't mean in an ego way. It's like, man, what I'm doing matters. And, you know, don't be afraid to ask people questions because they are more than happy to answer it, especially if their work, it's their project, their baby, they put time and energy into it. And they're, they're proud of it. And if you ask questions about whatever the topic might be, most of the time, someone is more than happy to share with you all sorts of nitty gritty de- details. Mm-hmm. That's really good advice. Yeah, no, I, I agree with the networking. I mean, that's one of the big things, even at conferences. Sometimes you know, I have a, I'll have a list of talks I want to go to, and sometimes I don't even make half of those. It's not because I don't want to see the presenter. It's right. not because I don't want to see the talk. Is that I know the right. talk is going to be recorded, but 
the best the best thing overall the conference is getting to meet new people getting to talk with them or getting to see people that you haven't seen in a long time and just share ideas back and forth because you know our lives are all busy we're all doing something right and it's it's hard to be able to find time where you can be able to connect with one another but you know when the opportunity comes to have a comp to be at a conference on site or even virtual you know take the time to actually get to talk to people outside even if you don't know them or even if you do so yeah and and to that i mean i i get I'm a very outgoing person. And to some degree, some of that has developed just because of, you know, life circumstances, running a company, I kind of have to be right. I've right. sort of grown into this more than I think I ever kind of was. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're not that type of person, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? The world needs different people. If everyone was like me, this would be a horrible place for us all to live. Mm -hmm. The, um, you know, Write your blog posts. There's a plenty of, of forums where you can interact with, find and meet people that way, share ideas. Those are great ways to some degree as well. I mean, find whatever works for you, but you, you can't do any of this alone. Yeah. I, and it, again, you don't have to be face-to-face. -face. You don't have to come over and shake people, give hugs, whatever. But some sort of forum, some kind of community, Slack, Discord, whatever, um, find that thing because it, when you're stuck you're going to help someone's going to help you and then you're going to help somebody else and it makes us all stronger makes us all better i couldn't agree more on that you know since you've been around the infosec community for such a long time you know what would be one thing that you would like to see change in the infosec community you know you think that could improve the infosec community or you know try to build a better relationship with the community itself i mean i know John Strands talked about, you know, we used to live in a dark place back then, right? Where people wouldn't share anything. People wouldn't be able to give advice, resources. Now we have this amount of people doing that, but some people are doing it right. And some people aren't, you know, there's, everybody's having like a lot of discussions over that type of stuff. You know, what do you think could be a change? What do you, what's your advice? Yeah. I mean, I think some of the, 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 the cool change we've seen, and I think to some degree it was because we were doing things wrong, but we, and I think you hit on this point before, like the, the whole purple teaming concept is a, is a relatively recent change in security. Oh yeah. It used to be that the offensive people, myself included, um, you know, we'd write a report, we'd chuck it over the wall to defenders. And then, you know, if you went to a conference not too terribly long ago, you would literally see, you know, on stage, essentially to some degree mocking defenders and defenses because they were so bad and, and they weren't good. Mm -hmm. But doesn't help them get better, right? And and if we as offensive people aren't helping the defenders get better, what are we doing, mm -hmm. right? I mean, what what are we doing? So I think that's been a really cool change to see is you know more development in the purple team. A lot more conferences are are focusing on the defenders because that's what really matters. You're not going to have zero pen tests are going to keep a bad guy out. Right. I find the the worst thing ever. It still takes some on the defensive side to make a choice to defend against this stuff. And frankly, proactively, right? Ideally, you fix the problem before we ever even show up. We're here like auditors to some degree checking afterwards. Mm -hmm. So I think that move to a more shared offense and blue, offense and defense, offense and blue, mix, mixing my terms there. But that, that shared, I don't know, space, is a really cool new thing that we're seeing. And we should need to do more of that and figure out how, as we, as offensive people can get better at helping some of the other, the other folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. That's a really good point right there. Um, I mean, and even one, the, oh, go, oh, go for it. I was going to say one thing I, one thing I sort of learned too, and this was one of those accidental feedback mechanisms because a lot, a lot of times in life where you're not going to get that direct feedback. Yeah. Um, it kind of goes back to the Kerber roasting talk. I remember I was super excited to give that talk as frankly, 
every younger presenters, I was relatively young in my presenting. I'm like, cool. I'm at DerbyCon. I got rejected from all these other conferences, DEF CON. And I'm like, they're going to take it. And I think it's a big deal. And every presenter thinks their thing is a big deal. And then afterwards, like Dave Kennedy tweeted, like this was cool, which made my flipping day. <laughs> but then like after that, basically nothing. I was like, huh. All right. And then it sort of kind of took off. People were like, oh, this thing actually sort of works. I took that and kind of just reflecting back, like, you know what? That was my job to explain it better. And I didn't. I didn't sell this to other people. I didn't explain why it matters. And I don't mean explain it in a fear way, like, oh, I can't believe the, the world's going to burn because that's a whole different. No, nope, we've got enough of that. We don't need that. And it, it's a fine line. And frankly, sometimes I don't know where the line is, but sort of get that feedback. You're like, hey, this is less of a big deal than I sort of thought. Maybe I didn't explain it properly. Maybe there could have been a better way to present or, or something like that. Um, I don't know. I just found that really useful. And I forgot the original question. <laughs> no, that's okay. It was, it was uh, one change in emphasis community. I think you nailed that oh, question, yeah. you know, but I, I also wanted to kind of iterate your point, you know, thinking about your first talk, right. You know, when you came down on the presentation stage, you, you know, you wanted to make sure this was serious, right. You gave out your points to it. You know, even though you didn't have enough knowledge into it, you know, you still started something as a journey for other people to look at. You made a big impact to the community as a whole to see how serious this was. And, you know, you also have blue teamers, defenders, right? Even Microsoft implement their own detections. So even at that time, the resources and the material you provide, you still provide a huge contribution to the community that made a huge impact to everyone else. I mean, at least that's the way I see it. You know, I I'd always think of when I see someone's blog post, right? Or I see someone that writes like a small presentation, but they don't give out like the full details, right? They don't go from like start to finish. You know, there's some things that are missing in here that I know some people could look at, right? They could be like, oh yeah, I could write this full exploit, no problem with the tiny little bit that of that code they left me, right? It's like we're pulling stuff from Stack Overflow, right? <laughs> For writing yeah, our stuff. Yeah. You know, the, those little things though, right? I see that stuff as like a starting point. I see that as a way that I still think it brings yes. value to the community as a whole. And I think that's something that we need to appreciate more, you know, for some of the people who are just getting started with those little things, you know, with the little knowledge they have, you know, you learned a lot, I would, I would assume from other people coming back to you about, you know, the whole curb roasting technique that you brought up, right. And then what people were doing with their tooling, right. And how they were able to get service accounts, uh, what was it, even certificates as well, too, they were able to pull from that stuff, right. With, um, was, I think it was Harmjoy that had Rubius that was able mm -hmm. to pull some stuff that was based off the stuff that you wrote, you know, I think, that's huge, right? That impact right there as a whole made the community, I think, understand the attack that you were bringing up, the points that were made to it. You know, I might be going off a little bit of a tangent here, but I think you, I think our listeners and I think you and I would get the point about what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, and the and the cool thing is, is like God, my code was barely functional. It was so <laughs> bad. It was yeah. terrible, and I'm so thankful that other people wrote. I mean, way better code than I ever could have because. I'm like, oh man, I don't have to. I don't have to up, keep my craptastic stuff updated. And, and to the a point you mentioned a little while ago, yeah. To many of you listeners, you, you're maybe you want to make a transition. Maybe you're newer in your career, and you're like, hey, I, you know, I would kind of like to give back. Do, um, I literally, Great literally point. got my first pen test job from a blog, mm -hmm. and I literally got that blog access because I was sending in content to some other bloggers. So Paul Asadorian, Ed Scotus, and Hal Pomerantz had a blog called Command Line Kung Fu. 
and they would come up with a challenge. The answer had to be like a one-liner. Um, Hal did it in Linux. Paul, for a while, did it in Mac, but ended up oftentimes being a, 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 a overlap with the Linux piece that Hal did. And Ed did good old CMD, and that's freaking brutal. Mm-hmm. I started sending in PowerShell. Like, hey, here's how you can do it in PowerShell. And I just, every week, I would read, it, read their, their article, and I would send in a, here's how to do it in PowerShell. And I would write like a full post. And eventually, they're like, hey, you mind if we include this? So they started putting this into their blog. Um, and then eventually, like, I don't know, it got known to some degree through no fault of my own. It was literally all the other guys with these massive names. And they sort of, I, I leveraged that, turned that into a pen test career. Um, and then eventually got hired by Ed Scotus because we'd interact with the blog post. So, I mean, put yourself out there. If it's the blog post, and, and what's funny is there's so many people who are like, man, if I write this, People have done that before. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Who cares? Somebody else has done it. Maybe your spin on it is different. I, put your soul into it. Put your put your story up. Why does this thing matter to you? And I see this time and time again. Like, well, I don't know what to talk about. Well, cool. What are you doing at work? What are you interested? Literally put it all online. The um, um, Corland Coder, the guy who did some of the Windows exploit dev classes, yeah. his mm-hmm. entire sort of business model sprang up from he was trying to figure out how to write Windows exploits and he turned it into a blog and that became an entire business for him, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, the offset to some degree too. It was literally just a, a few guys that were like, hey, let's start putting some of this together. They started collecting it like, holy smokes, this has turned into something. Mm-hmm. If it's the talk, you want to get out and do the talk, do it. Find a topic that's interesting to you. The thing is, everyone's terrified with the talk that they're going to give a talk and people are going to be, they're going to know it. They won't. It's a little secret. John Strand told me this years ago. I was terrified. He's like, look, <laughs> who showed up to these things, right? If some, if some jerk shows up to your talk and said, I already knew that, I mean, first off, who's going to do that, right? Like, that's, that's ridiculous. How many times are we, and what percentage of your, 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 the listeners here aren't in security or aren't doing exactly what you're doing? I can guarantee you have an interesting thing. Now, your first talk, not going to lie, probably going to be terrible. My first talk was a 60-minute PowerShell talk. I got so nervous, I finished it in 17 minutes. It was horrible. I had diarrhea the mouth. I couldn't stop talking. I got faster and faster and faster. It was terrible. You know what? My second one, it sucked less. And eventually, I got better at it. And if you're just like, you know what? Let me just put myself out there. You have a story to tell. You have an interesting thing that you do. You've been researching. You've done it work. And I can guarantee... Guarantee, without question, someone else is like, you know what? That's interesting. This is interesting to me. So I highly encourage you, get out there, put together your own podcast, a blog, a video series, do a talk at a conference. I I don't think you're going to be disappointed if you do. I couldn't agree more on any of the points that you really brought up. Really, I think those are fantastic tips and points, you know, for people that want to be able to talk, right, or do their own first talk. You know, and even for blogging, right? Start as a diary. You know, you can't remember everything and you can't you can't have that one spot place for all your notes. You know, if you want the public and, you know, the people to see as a concern or an issue or something you just want to write to show people, you know, what you're doing. Yeah. yeah, blog about it. There could be some, there. you know, even the person who's just getting started, I always like to read some of their articles, you know, or see their talks because I'm learning from something, something from them, right? Just like what yeah. you said about John Strand. Absolutely. Right? You know, John, like what you said about John Strand, right? They're not going to know what you're talking about. That's okay, right? 
that's why those people are there to learn from you. They're yep. there to learn from the concepts, the stuff that you're bringing from the talk or from the article that you have. And I am 100% an advocate and want to encourage people in InfoSec. You want to write something about, you know, that's not been out or like you want to write something you think that's better, do it, right? You want to do a talk about it, do it even better. Yeah, and even if it is like literally, hey, here's here, here's a tool somebody else wrote. Let me tell you how I've used it. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. A lot of people much prefer they have different different delivery mechanisms that they prefer, right? Some people prefer to read, some want video. And the speaker, they can come across differently. And frankly, if I'm at a security conference, maybe I sit down and listen to you tell me how to do it instead of watching it on YouTube or trying to read about it because it's a different thing. I guarantee you have a different perspective. Get out there and do those talks. Submit to the conferences. Submit to the, the virtual events are even easier because you can talk to the wall. You can sometimes even pre-record it so you can edit the thing. Um, highly encourage it. I think it's, it's a great thing. It's sharing that information. And to your point before, I can't tell you how many uh, people who have blogged, myself included, have later gone back and searched for a problem and then found how to solve a problem and literally found their own blog posts. They're like, oh yeah, I uh, did that before. I totally forgot, but uh, here's a great solution. <laughs> yeah, no, I can I, I can relate to that. I mean, I had the same situation yeah. when uh, Dookie here at Offsec wrote a blog about uh, how to install PowerShell on Kali Linux. I was like, I did this. I did this setup before. I have this walkthrough. Why didn't I blog about it, right? And then I yeah. started to re-go through his steps, and then I started to find issues where there was a specific library in the package uh, that would go ahead and remove 547 tools in Kali. And I was like, Why does this one library need to be added for PowerShell to work when there's sh- there's a newer version that should be working with it? So I remember working with the Kali Linux team and Microsoft to actually get the new PowerShell fixed, get that library replaced. And soon and behold, people were using PowerShell for Linux like daily. And then it started becoming an actual release that was added into Kali. That one little, the point that I'm trying to get to about my situation is that that one little thing can make a huge impact down the line. Just like how, you know, to compare your example, right? You know, when you got started with Kerber Roasting, it made such a huge impact for the InfoSec community as a whole, finding new different attack techniques, creating new tools with it, sharing their different articles and their research of how they've been using Kerber Roasting for their stuff. I mean, like Sean Metcalf at AD Security, right? With the oh, stuff yeah. that he had, though, too. Uh, yeah. Incredible, right? <laughs> well, and his his is literally, it's sort of like the, the Corlean Coder uh, yeah. scenario. He would write blog posts um, because he was trying to understand it. And that's how he helped understand it. So, and it was, and I'm not saying that, like, Sean Metcalf is way smarter than I'll ever be. But he has, it's funny, if anybody asks me what Kerberos, you know, I'm like, go read Sean's website. And I've told yeah. Sean that. And he's like, well, I'm honored. I'm like, well, why should you be? You did this is fantastic. Yeah. Like I'll never put this level of effort in. This is, a, this is amazing. You've got way better resources over here. Mm-hmm. And it's literally, he's writing this thing to help him explain. Also, how many times have you been looking for this solution to fill in the blank problem? And there's like one post on the internet that has the answer. Yep. Maybe you're that one post for somebody else, right? Put it out there. Um, I, I highly encourage you to do that. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so I know we're getting close to time, but I got one more question I want to ask you, of course. And um, the big question I ask every guest speaker is outside of InfoSec, are there any hobbies or things you like to do? I really, I, I so I'm trying to get in shape because I don't really <laughs> need to do that. Um, right. So I'm trying to run some, trying to get in shape for some of that. There's a, uh, a smaller uh, triathlon. I'm hopefully, well, it's supposed to happen. I don't know what's going to happen right now. Who knows? You can totally do it. Uh, no, no, no. I'm just curious about the timing because of COVID. Like, that gets weird. Oh, like, yeah, I don't know if they're canceling that kind of crap. No, I, th- I think like, I can suffer through it. 
Um, the other thing is I love watching sports. Like right now we got the Olympics. I am an Olympics junkie. Thank goodness. Cause football season just ended and I get a little depressed after football season's over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like, I like some hockey, a little bit of baseball, but I love, uh, I love sports. I love fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Big deal. So that there's those few months where there's none of that. And it, uh, it's a little sad, but I'm I super excited in the fall. Yeah, no, I get you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big sports guy as well, too. Um, I'll watch anything that comes up, mostly football, lacrosse and hockey. Yeah. Those are my big ones. Uh, so I know for sure after this, we'll definitely have to talk about the USA hockey team for sure. After they oh, play God. Canada. That was that was good. Um, but anyways, no, I, that's really cool. You have those hobbies outside of InfoSec. And I think it's a, a great thing that I think, you know, for our listeners, but also for people in the InfoSec community, they should have some things outside of cyber, you know, and start to have yes. things to at least go enjoy about, right? Yeah. And, and, and frankly, I don't have enough um i i need i need more and I, i've talked to other people too and this frankly was me to some degree where like my hobby was also infosec that's great but at some point you're gonna be like my day job is this my fun time is this and then most people eventually hit a wall because you're you're you, you continue to burn yourself out a little bit mm-hmm. uh one of the guys on my team mike saunders at red siege he loves to just go fishing go yeah. for walks go for hikes in the middle of the day he's like look i'm having a tough time i'm gonna go fishing awesome good for you like there's no reason that the pen test needs to continue to happen from two to three o'clock or two to four o'clock whatever today and they can't be done some other time right like there's only so many nice days in north dakota where he lives Mm -hmm. just enjoy that part of life right and whatever it is go outside go for a walk read a book but find something that you're interested in and maybe you dig into some of that too Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think those are good points, especially trying to have some activities, make sure you don't burn out. Mike Sanders, uh, I follow him on Twitter and I see the stuff that he does. He does some incredible ventures, but it's good. Yeah. You can be able to yeah. let him do that, you know? So, well, Tim, I really do want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and your day, especially to be able to, you know, share your thoughts, you know, and answer some of the questions that I had for you for this episode. Um, do you have any final thoughts or anything you want to give? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's tons of, fantastic resources, whatever it is. And frankly, built by people, you can also build some of those resources that, that, mm-hmm. that are available, you know, go seek those things out. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm on the offset podcast, so I'll kind of show for them for a second. I got some great resources out there, some fantastic certifications, check some of those things out. Right. I mean, and maybe you don't have the money for the certifications now they're frankly kind of cheap, but make that a, a goal for further, for further down the line. So, you know, figure out what is your, some of your career progression, figure out what some of the path is, find those resources. There's a ton out there. There's tons out there, you know, it, it, for free too. Right. And there's some other that are, you know, relatively cheap too. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Tim. I really do appreciate your time and your final thoughts that you had to bring on for the Offset podcast. Good deal. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, find me on the tweeters at Tim Medine. I teach for Sands. Hit me up at uh, Red Siege, but uh I guess I'll let you close it out. Thank you so much for everybody for making it this far. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know we had our discussion. And my that. apologies. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so to our listeners, again, like Tim said, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And we're able to gain some value from it. Be sure to check out Offense Security's website for more information on these topics, courses, or stuff we have going on by going to offensive-security.com. <laughs>